You're listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. We're your hosts. I'm Luna. And I'm Shannon. We're both clinical psychotherapists who trained together at Johns Hopkins. Now we are both in private practice in Tampa, Florida, and in Baltimore, Maryland. We also both happen to have a love for tarot. Each episode, we work to demystify the tarot and explore its connections to mental and emotional health. While this podcast may feel therapeutic, it is not meant to take the place of psychotherapy. Join us while we pull cards to better understand ourselves and those around us. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Luna. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited about our episode today. Can't wait. So excited. So today uh, we decided to talk about one of the the big ones, which is the money question. So the way we began to start to think about this was when money comes up in sessions, one thing that I often will say to somebody is, so tell me, what is your relationship with money like? Because that's just kind of an interesting way of asking that question. And really frequently, I sort of get a response that's a little bit like, um, uh, I kind of don't, or like, I'm bad at money, or sort of like, I treat money the way I treat like cleaning up throw up, you know, like, I'll do it because I have to, but it's still like, gross and horrible. And I don't want to think about it. Money is a really touchy issue. So today, we're, we're probably going to talk about money a number of times. But today we're taking it just from that point of view of the person who is like, I don't want to deal with this. That's where we're starting. You know, and I love that you so openly talk about money and relationships with money because so I grew up in this in a family where I mean, I won't get into a lot of it, but there was like money was definitely it was either there or it wasn't. And it was always this kind of like anxiety producing thing. Um, But another thing that I learned growing up was that you don't talk about money, Mm -hmm. at least not like to other people. Like you Mm -hmm. can talk about money within your family. That's super normal. And usually you'll argue about it. Um, (laughs) So there's like an automatic, like negative association with money, but you never ask other people what their relationship with money is like. You never ask other people how much they make or Mm -hmm. if they have money. Um, So I think you know, a lot of people have probably been in that type of environment or grown up with that message, which is what perpetuates this idea that talking about money is taboo when really it isn't. We need money to survive. Money is like (laughs) really unfortunate part of our existence. So I'm really excited we're talking about it today because it definitely is tied in so much with mental health. Totally. And so, okay, I've got like five things to say already. First of all, (laughs) um, I'm going to counter what you just said, just to like for a second to say like, yeah, money is an unfortunate part of our life and also a super fortunate part of our life because it is a way for us to grow. And if we think of it in that way, then it becomes useful, not just like this necessary evil because it is, yeah, I mean, it's challenging and you're right. So many people are uncomfortable talking about money because that's the way we've all been raised. So I want to spend a minute just kind of calling out our two communities. So you and I share this space of both being therapists and being in the mental health community, but also doing this podcast with tarot. So we're also in this sort of, we can't really quite define the community, but it's people who are healers or tarot readers or light workers or life coaches or wellness coaches or, you know, like this whole community that I don't have a word for. And one theme that I see across both communities is a lack of an ability or a willingness to really sit down and have 
good conversations, healthy and helpful conversations about money. And I don't think that it's anyone trying to do wrong. It's just in our communities, we haven't worked to figure out how to speak about it in a healthy way much. Some people are, but it's still taboo, even in these areas where like all of us are designed to help people. And yet 72% of Americans report having felt some degree of money stress in any given month. 72%. This is an epidemic in our country and I'm sure around the world. And yet oh, for we don't. Sure. Yeah. And yet it's not something. Did we learn about this in grad school? Like we went to a fancy no. ass grad school. <laughs> right. You know, we never talked about it once. I talked about all sorts of things in grad school, but we didn't talk about money anxiety. And that's right. like shame on our school and shame on our community. You know, and it's funny because the one thing, and I know you remember this too, the one thing our program did, and I love our program. I'm totally so not like knocking yes. our, like seriously, like the best education like ever. Um, but the one thing they told us in our program mm-hmm. was we won't make any money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> that was the only thing they said. They were like, oh, you're going to, you're, you're getting into counseling. Congratulations. You're at this really fancy, expensive school and um, good luck paying for it because <laughs> You're not going to make any money in this field. So that just, I mean, perpetuates anxiety about money because it's like, oh my God, I'm really passionate about helping people. And I'm like, so happy to be, you know, at this like really like great program. But now like, am I going to like be struggling for the rest of my life? Because that's what they told me. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting that they didn't you know, go in depth about, you know, money anxiety being a specific thing to talk about since it is so like such an important aspect of our life. I mean, even the concept of money is kind of weird if you think about it. Like here's a special piece of paper. Um, We've given value to it. And, you know, some of you, especially those of you with like inherent privilege will have a bit of it. You know, some of you will have to work really, really hard in order to get more of it. Um, And there's maybe like five or six of you that will have almost all of it. Um, And those are the people (laughs) that we (laughs) tend to see like in the news a lot, you know, think about like Jeff Bezos, um, you know, and there's a lot of talk about like cryptocurrency happening. So we're even like creating new types of money in the world right now. And it's just, it's so fascinating. And I feel like it's something that isn't explored enough, especially in our field or in any sort of helping field in the way that I think you and I want to talk about it today. So I'm glad that, you know, this is something that you're really passionate about and that you um, were like, hey, we really need to talk about this. It's one of my favorites. And I love that you brought up in grad school, like, because I'm sure that there are therapists who are listening to this who are like, yes, like, (laughs) what a dysfunctional thing for professors (laughs) to say, like, you won't make any money. Like, I know that Shannon and I were sitting in that classroom, both thinking, fuck that. No, I'm planning on making some money at this, which is not like being like shitty. It's just that like, I want to provide for myself. Like, I'm not doing this so I can like, I'm not taking a poverty vow. Right, right. And you know, I'm going to like do the same thing with the like, I guess what I'm going to call the light worker community right now, which is just really, I'm just throwing down a general term, but you know, like what happens in that community tends to be sort of a, like you need to manifest. And I am big into manifesting. Like I think it's a thing. And like, I use manifesting techniques in my own life. And I know some people think it's cuckoo and that's fine too, but that's not it. You can't just like say, "Mm, I'm going to manifest like a million dollars and it's going to show up. You need some practicality of like, how do you actually do this? And that's never touched either. So we're going to talk about it. 
Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. I think that's an important topic that we'll probably dive into a little bit more, but just to, you know, expand on that a bit, we are responsible for ourselves and the paths that we take and the choices that we make. And sure, we can sit here and say like, I want to manifest this. I want to manifest that. Um, but we, when we say we want to manifest something, we have to like actively take a role in moving mm-hmm. forward towards the thing that we want to manifest. Mm-hmm. So if we're just like sitting down and staring at the TV all day saying, Oh, I just like, I wish I had more money so that I could buy like my dream home. But we're just like binge watching Netflix every night. Like that's not, it's not going to happen. You know, I think the biggest thing about manifesting that a lot of people don't talk about is, you know, the, or the power of manifesting is the fact that we say we want this thing and we talk about it and we create images about it, you know, either, you know, mentally or like tangibly in the form of like vision boards. And then we see it and then we actively like meet people that help us get one step further or like take a class that helps us get one step further or, you know, read a book that helps us get one step further. And that taking action is what allows the manifestation to to happen. That's what gives it power. We give manifestation power. So I'm going to go right away into like a direction that we weren't initially planning to, but I'm going to start with a card right now of, can I pull out like 10 of wands? Because there it is. Like that's a great image of this um the traditional image is somebody sort of like trying to carry 10 very large wands and it's a struggle and it's a burden it's like oh my god this is a lot for me to handle it's a it's a heavy responsibility but with responsibility comes freedom and by right. doing the heavy lifting then we get someplace. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm super in favor of let's manifest, let's do a vision board, let's take steps, but also they're your steps. They're not necessarily let's buy some coaches program and pay somebody tons of money so that they can tell us how to do the steps. Right. I think what's important too, is to remember that the, the heavier workload, like that the 10 of swords is rep or 10 of wands is representing, um, is, only temporary. Yes. You know, we have to put in all this hard work just for a little bit to, to reap the benefits. And sure, like there'll be phases in our life where it's like, oh, like I have to carry these 10 wands again for, you know, another couple months or a couple years, but eventually, you know, I won't have to. Um, because I think that can like steer people away from wanting to work really hard is that, oh my God, I can't just like, you know, work 10 jobs, you know, in order to have this life I want to have financially, uh, forever. And I think that's why people tend to gravitate towards, you know, certain programs out there that make these really unrealistic promises, because like you said, they think that they can just throw their money at someone. And because they're throwing their money at someone and hearing someone talk, suddenly they'll just be like, you know, gifted with abundance. Um, and that's just not accurate and it's not realistic. No, you got to carry your wands. And I love that you reminded us because like in me, in my head, it's sort of like, yes, this is a positive card. It does not look like a positive card. Right. (laughs) But for me, whenever I pull this card, it feels so much, I feel so much comfort. Like, as Mm. I started talking about, I just put my hand on my heart because like, to me, this card, when I see it in my own life, I'm like, right this hard work is offering me something like in the future and right now, it's comforting to me. And that's the way I think that we should think of that card. 
I love that you associated the word comfort with the 10 of wands, because I think you're right. A lot of people can look at that and say, oh my God, I'm being like burdened. It's super heavy. This is too much. And I think that's why I felt the need to say, Hey, listen, it's only temporary because it's temporary. Yeah. I love the 10 of wands. It's very much like a reminder that, yeah, you're continuing to work your ass off for what you want. And it's not always going to be, you know, rainbows and butterflies. It's going to be heavy and your back's going to hurt every once in a while, but it's going to be worth it in the end. Totally. But like, I love that you just said rainbows and butterflies, because can we also put next to it? Like, cause we're talking <laughs> about tens, you know, like work hard, carry those 10 of wands. And you're also going to end up in 10 of cups with the oh, rainbows yes. and the butterflies. Like that's how we get there. Yes. So can I sort of like take a right turn here? Because like, I think that we could just like bounce all over the place, but we did want to talk about the concept of, um, a, new industry called financial therapy. So can I talk about that for a second? Yeah, go for it. Great. So it's like relatively new. I mean, like really new because there's clearly such a need for therapists and mental health professionals who can really focus on uh, financial thought processes, because it's not just about here's how you like open a bank account and here's how you like set a budget. That's really important information, but also it's about why are people not what is the avoidance? And there's even some phrasing going around, like people are starting to use words like financial trauma or financial PTSD or um, financial infidelity, which when I say those, I'm hoping that some of those words are hitting people like, oh my God, yes, I understand what that means. Like that rings true. The husband who like goes and buys like tons of things and keeps it in the basement and doesn't tell or the wife, mm-hmm. like I see, have seen both of those cases or somebody right, where it's like... <laughs> hide my packages, you know, tells the delivery guy, please hide my packages for my husband. It's a joke. People post about it on social media all the time. But it's a form of infidelity, mm-hmm. you know, or the financial PTSD, like all of a sudden, like you lose everything, like right. that scars a person, like that takes some work to get over. Yeah. So money scripts are super interesting. I feel like I have a lot to say on the idea of money scripts. So basically it was created by, uh, this person, this person called, um, I don't remember his first name, but, uh, it's called the Klontz money script inventory KMSI. Um, and it was specifically created for like mental health clinicians and, and probably financial advisors too, people who are basically just like working with people around money. And I was kind of surprised. So when I, when I found this assessment, it's really only like one of very few mm-hmm. empirically based instruments, which, you know, in our field, we love empirically based stuff. Um, so, but I guess it kind of makes sense that there's really only a few of these assessments out there that talk about relation people's relationships with money, because it wasn't something that we spoke about when we were learning to become therapists. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that there isn't much out there um, to explore how people feel about money and finances. Um, But basically, the assessment exists purely to assess the attitudes and beliefs that we have. Um, And, you know, I just just love that someone thought to create something about this. It does fall short a little bit for me, um, which I'll get into in a minute. But essentially, uh, the Klontz assessment, the KMSIR, the revised version, rate, you take this test and it rates you on four separate scripts. So there's money status, money vigilance, money worship, and money avoidance as you can kind of 
tell just by the names of the scripts, they all kind of like lean towards this negative view on money, which mm-hmm. is probably what my biggest issue with it is. Um, I feel like there's not much room for, for a healthy relationship um, when you're assessing that. I mean, I agree a hundred percent. Like it, two things can be true at the same time. I do appreciate the work. I do appreciate somebody trying to like come up with something that is usable um, and that could be universal. And I agree. I mean, one of the tenets of my practice is that I always say I come from a positive perspective and it's not just about what's wrong, but what is right and what could be right. And this assessment does to me fall short around that. Nevertheless, I think it is interesting to notice um, how pervasive some of these negative money scripts exist in our world. That, I mean, it's almost like how we think about tarot, right? Like we talk about tarot is interesting because the images are universal and invoke feelings for everybody. And it these money scripts are sort of the same way. These are oddly universal, at least in Western culture, of this is the way people tend to think negatively about money. So I think there's value mm-hmm. in the scripts. Yeah, I like that you said this is the way that people tend to think negatively because <laughs> yeah. maybe that's a better name for the assessment. Like your negative relationship with money defined <laughs> um, <laughs> or your, you know, your negative money script. And so I I also appreciate that you, you mentioned the, the tarot images and archetypes because they're very much associated with these money scripts. For example, like money status. So that money script is all about people who link their self-worth with their net worth. So -hmm. these are people who think they're not worthy unless they have a ton of money in the bank. Um, People who tend to fall into this category are probably people like, you know, social media influencers. Think about, you know, the people who are always, you know, wearing fancy clothes or on some sort of like fancy vacation. It's so important for them to portray this sense of like power and influence and and financial um, freedom. Uh, Something that is also associated with this money script though is gambling and addiction Mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, when I'm thinking of that type of script, the first card that pops into my head is the devil and how it is associated with like our shadow self or addiction or power. Um, And then you and I had talked about the seven of cups being associated with this script as well. Very much. I mean, this is script. I'm sitting here thinking about how many people I have known who have had trouble with this yes. issue. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm a little like getting a little queasy actually <laughs> thinking about <laughs> how much that like it ends up being a power play for people. And it's so sad because mm-hmm. it's like we see that you are just like throwing them around money as if like that is your value. And it's really, really not. Right, And that thinking is very, very hard to break because it's become a a very maladaptive coping mechanism of, I feel like crap about myself. And so I'm going to buy things. So I don't feel Mm -hmm. like crap about myself. And in doing so, I'm probably giving myself a far worse financial situation. Oh, for sure. Or I feel like crap about myself. So I'm going to take a photo of me at the casino, holding up a couple hundred dollar bills, making people think that I just have like all this money to blow, but really I don't have any money to blow. And I'm doing this because I feel like shit, but I don't want, I I have to portray this image. Yeah. Um, so definitely like that's a, a dangerous, 
script. So if you are attached to that, that's definitely worth sitting down and pulling some cards. And it actually kind of makes me think of something, um, a fun tarot pool that, that we've talked about before, where you find like a specific card in the deck and then you pull the card before it and the card after it. So in this instance, like you might go in and find the devil or the seven of cups. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like your script that represents the money status. And then you pull the card in front of it, um, which maybe represents something related to like, where did this relationship come from? Like how, how did I get here? Yes. And then you pull the card after it, which is, okay, what do I need to know moving forward? Or how can I improve, um, you know, this script or how can I move away from this into a healthier realm? You know, I mean, I have nothing really deep to add to that other than like, I'm just noticing how much the devil feels like the right card for this. It is like really getting caught up in the wrong type of thinking. And uh, yeah, I have nothing really bright to say about that other than like, it is truly, um, it is a very painful existence and it is leading you down a wrong path. And you got to look at like why the devil is whispering that into your ear. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So some of the other scripts are money vigilance, which, you know, this is people who are very alert and watchful, concerned about their financial health. Um, money is super important to them and having enough money is important to them. And so these are like your, your hardcore savers. These are the people mm-hmm. who are also like very anxious anxious about money, um, really don't want to spend it. Um, that script makes me think of four of pentacles totally. because it, you it's know, four of pentacles, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that card just literally asks you to examine your relationship with money. Um, and it's, it's all like representing saving and planning for the future right. where like money worship is very like seven of pentacles, um, or nine of swords because, Money worship is all about, you know, what it sounds like, <laughs> believing that money is the key to happiness um, and that, you know, money is the, like, the end all be all of our existence um, and that it's the solution to all our problems and that we just need to have more money, more money. Um, but at the same time, and I, I have several clients who kind of fit into this category, but wouldn't realize it yeah. um, because these are the people who I have to work so hard to have a certain amount of money in the bank so that I can feel safe. And then once they hit that amount of money, uh-huh. it's, oh, nope, it's not enough. That's Gotta not work it. Harder That's, to not it. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's not it. It needs to be more. And so you can get really, really caught up in this money worship script where, you know, you're working really, really hard. This is very, this is where seven of pentacles comes in. You're working so hard, but you're continually disappointed with like lack of certain results. Yeah. And can I just say, I love, this is where I love tarot because like that four of pentacles card is like, (laughs) that's an old card. This is not like, this is not necessarily a modern day day problem. Like that people who sort of like cling to their money as if that is like, well, now I feel safe. I mean, like it's, uh, it's a security blanket, but it's like, that's not actually keeping you safe. You could get hit by a bus, you know? Right, right. right. And you know, Um, other cards that like go with this for me for like the money vigilance and the money worship is um, Seven of Swords, this like fear of somebody's going to steal it. Like somebody's going to, like a thief's going to cut, like somebody's going to come and take it away from me, which, you know, could happen. Sure. But Mm -hmm. um, sort of this vigilance about like, don't let the Seven of Swords show up. Oh, no. 
You know, and I think that's where, you know, going back to what you said earlier about like financial trauma or PTSD, you Mm -hmm. know, this is where you should be having these conversations with yourself saying, what has happened to me in the past that has led to the way I view money now, or how has my family looked at money? Um, where did I learn this? Cause a lot of times behavior is learned the majority of the time behavior is learned. So it's important to say, you know, where is this coming from? Because I think when we have a better understanding of our behavior and why we do the things we do, which is the whole like premise of psychology, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. we can Mm -hmm. make better choices and just feel safer and less anxious in general. Which kind of brings me to money avoidance, right? So people who avoid money or talking about money tend to be very anxious about it. Um, But something that's interesting about the money avoidance script is people who tend to score higher on on that on the avoidance script, um, have this belief that money is bad, but they also tend to have more money. Um, so it kind of sounds like, like, it seems like an oxymoron. It's like money avoiders are usually the more wealthy people, but they also hate money. And they also have this belief that they don't deserve money. Um, there's this view that, you know, wealthy people are greedy or corrupt. Um, which is fascinating because these are the people that have money, which tells me that they probably view themselves like not in a good light. And Mm -hmm. there's also research that shows that these people tend to self-sabotage because they feel like they're not worthy. Um, So this is very like two of swords for me too, because I feel like it's, you know, when I think of two of swords, it's this person who's like avoiding something, either making a decision or information. Um, And so when I think of people who fit into this script, you know, the two of swords is, you know, a person blindfolded holding two swords, you know, standing in this like ocean, vast body of water. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, the money is the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. So they're just like Mm -hmm. sitting and like in their wealth, but they don't want to see their wealth. They don't know what to do with it. They, they're scared of it. They feel like it doesn't belong to them or it doesn't even belong in the world. Um, so these types of people definitely worth spending some time trying to figure out, um, why am I, avoiding this? Uh, why do I think it's bad? Um, why do I want to give my money to other people? Cause money avoiders tend to do that too. Why is it okay for other people to have my money, but not okay for me too? So those are the four scripts. So clearly <laughs> you can see that there's no room for a healthy relationship in these scripts <laughs> that they've created. These are all <laughs> the ways you can be messed up. Yeah. Here's yeah. how all your uh, views on money are shitty. Totally. Um, you know, and as clinicians, when we use assessments, we really want to be able to see progress. And I feel like this particular assessment doesn't have the capability to show that. Um, And in fact, you know, Luna, you've said this before, these scripts and these labels that are out there for people to use to define themselves, Mm -hmm. specifically regarding money and the relationship with money, really just like increases and and perpetuates this cycle of shame. Yes. Um, And shame leads to avoidance and avoidance temporarily relieves anxiety. Um, So when anxiety is relieved, avoidance is reinforced and then the cycle continues. So definitely wish that there was more of a, a healthier, positive script or two that we could look at in terms of like being able to move towards something. I have 20 things to say now. Yes. Um, go okay. For it. First of all, just kind of notice 
how um, the money avoidance and the money status grouping is exactly the same. It's it's a different active behaviors that come from the same place. Like I hear that all the time, what you're talking about with the money avoidance. Um, Mm -hmm. And often in, in my practice, I hear a lot of people sort of say things like, well, you know, like I have all this privilege, like that's sort of like um, in sometimes code for it, like privilege means lots of things. And I recognize that I'm not sort of like um, trying to dismiss the other parts of it. But um, right now we're talking about money, people who sort of have some money or like maybe their parents had some money or they sort of had like an opportunity to go to college or like something like that, that like there's all this guilt and shame of like, why Uh should I have that if other people don't have it? And yet they do like they put their blindfold on you know, Uh and they feel guilty, but don't want to look at it. And then actually end up having some like really like silly money habits, like have Uh subscriptions to things like just like pouring out of their bank accounts that they like just cancel the the stupid subscription, which by the way, I have about three of those myself right now, (laughs) just acknowledging, like I Uh definitely have some, but it's that avoidance thing is the same thing as that money status thing. Both of them, this is not about the money. This is the important thing. It's not about the money. It's about how do you feel about yourself? How do you feel about your own worth? How do you feel about your own capacity in this world? And how do you feel about letting getting to have the opportunity to live a life filled with happiness? Or does that feel like that's something that's unattainable? And that's what this is really about. Money work is not about money. It's about you feeling okay with yourself. I love that you just went there about the way you feel about yourself, because I do think there are so many like automatic negative thoughts, for example, that are just inherent in relationships with money, especially in terms of the two status or the two scripts that we were just talking about. And that's like, you know, all of them really like, I'll never have enough. I'm the worst with money or everyone else is better off than I am, or I'm not deserving. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so sure people with privilege who have this sense of guilt, they can be very two of swords, put the, put the blindfold on and just kind of like ignore or avoid, or they can say, okay, I have this privilege. I have this money. How can I use it to help those who don't have the privilege that I have? So there's also like the sense of kind of responsibility that comes with it in terms of just like being like a positive member of society. (laughs) Um, so instead of just like throwing the money away or avoiding it and feeling like shit, because like you have it, um, figure out like how you can use it to make yourself feel good, but also like make other people feel good. You know, this reminds me actually so much of like these two cards always end up going together for me, the two of swords and the eight of swords. This Mm. is, it's about taking some responsibility. Eight of swords is that classic image of the person standing there kind of bound up loosely with again, a blindfold surrounded by eight swords. But all you got to do is like wiggle out of those ropes and take off your blindfold and step out of the sword circle. Like this is, it's yours you can move. And I think so many people, when it comes to money, they, there's lots of sort of like little versions. Um, uh, I hear people like slam capitalism all the time. And, but like, which I'm not, again, like saying anything about that. I'm just saying, I hear people sort of say it as a way of not dealing with their own money issues. Well, you know, capitalism, You know, Mm -hmm. like, well, but what's your actual bank account look like? What is your spending habits look like? It's easy to kind of say like, well, it's so materialistic. Okay, that's fine. But what's going on in your own life? Rather than sort of being the victim of something. I love that you just said that because eight of, I'm going to go back to eight of swords too. Like, I feel like we could also even say, okay, well, what's your relationship or what's your view of learned helplessness? Yes. Because I think that's also something that 
exists here. And it's this, this idea that, you know, especially going back to your, your remarks about like, you know, capitalism, sure. Like we don't live in a utopia where there's things that we, you know, don't necessarily like about the way our world functions that we have to deal with. Maybe Mm -hmm. they'll change in our lifetime. They probably won't. Um, It takes a long time for for evolution to to work. Um, So given the life that we have now and the world that we exist in now, like let's just figure out how to be the happiest and healthiest that we can and continue to grow and be the best versions of ourselves and help other people be the best best versions of themselves. And that includes making sure that the relationship and the view that you have with your own finances is one that like helps you feel like a sense of freedom in a world that maybe you don't necessarily feel free all the time. Yes. You know, (laughs) that reminds me of like a little story in the, um, the badass book. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's this book and like, we'll reference it. I don't think so. It's a yellow book and you've seen it. Like, I promise you that everybody has seen it somewhere. Like it's got a yellow cover and it says you are a badass on it. And I think it's, I think the author's Jen Sinclair. I could be wrong. We'll look it up. Uh, but she tells this great story in it about a ham sandwich. She's like, listen, here's the thing. If you have a ham sandwich, you may as well eat the ham sandwich. It is silly for you to say, well, other people don't have a ham sandwich because your ham sandwich is your ham sandwich. Like you're not going to be able to feed the world with your ham sandwich. Go ahead and eat the stupid thing because you need to have food in your body. You need Mm. to provide for yourself. You need to have the energy to go into the world. And I think that what you just said is so powerful because that's exactly right. When we take care of ourselves, when we get our own house in order, when we take care of ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially, then we can be the good that we want to see in the world. But you can't be the good you want to see in the world if you are operating on three hours of sleep and you've only had coffee all day and your Mm -hmm. bank account is at zero. How can you be helpful to others if you are a mess yourself? I remember the book you're talking about now, and I remember that specific example. And it's so true. And it is very much kind of like what I was trying to to convey, because sure, like you have your hand, ham sandwich. Now, if you feel guilty and you say, oh, I can't eat it because other people don't have it, then what you're saying is correct. Like you won't have the energy or the capacity to go out and make sure that other people have ham sandwiches, <laughs> you yeah. know? So then like, you know, if you're stuck in this mindset of, well, I feel shitty about this, or maybe you're someone who goes in, you know, I'm thinking about status now and pretends that you have a ton of ham sandwiches. Like, (laughs) look at all my ham sandwiches. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Our episodes lately are taking like very weird turns, like boy bands, (laughs) ham sandwiches. Like people are going to be like, I thought this was about tarot. I feel like I should apologize to all the vegans right now too. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Yes. So sorry. Oh my gosh. But yeah, it's like, you know, okay, you can't do anything unless you take care of yourself first. And that's exactly what you were saying. And please don't feel guilty for, you know, taking care of what you need to take care of. Um, But again, what I was saying, it it still is, you know, I feel like our responsibility, this is just my view to make sure that like those around us, um, are also taken care of if they, if they need to be, um, especially those of us who have privilege. Like if you have the ability to, you know, volunteer and make ham sandwiches for someone, go do that. Um, like there are things that you can do to make, you know, the world a better place. Very much so. 
Okay, and just to throw back for a second to something you said, like, I don't know, 10 minutes ago, but I've been thinking about this whole time. Um, when we're talking about this idea of money scripts and like this person's theory with money scripts, which I think, again, is helpful. Um, one of the most powerful things that I found when I was doing a lot of my own money work, because therapists do their own work, and I'm talking about this because I've also like spent time with this personally because I'm a human being. Uh, one of the techniques or sort of tools I use that was so helpful is based on um, Adlerian theory, which we've talked about a little bit before. Adler was um, a protege of Freud and talked about um, developments of life. But one of the techniques used in Adlerian theory is this idea of what's your first memory. And it's mm -hmm. sort of a way of talking about like you ask a client, what was your first memory? So that the person starts to think like express how they view the world. And so one technique is to sort of ask people like, what's your first money memory? And I found this to be very powerful. And I, I sort of encourage people to try it themselves. What is your first memory that you have of thinking about money? And what story do you now hold in your life about? from that memory, like how much of your reality of the way you keep your banking account, the way that you spend money, the way that you save money is based just simply on that very first memory. I love that you brought that up. And I never would have considered using that in this, in this space about with this topic and it's, but it's so relevant. And I'm even thinking now, oh my God, there's so many different ways that you could like expand on that. Like what's your first positive memory growing up? with money? What's your first like negative memory growing up with money? And then once you became a, an adult and you were managing your own finances, what was your first, you know, memory or experience positively and negatively? And then how do all of those combined create the story or the narrative that you have with money now? Um, and if you're having trouble with this, this is where tarot and the archetypes and images mm -hmm. of tarot mm -hmm. are so important because you could say, well, shoot, I don't know. I can't really think of anything pull out your cards, um, you know, do a spread or just spread all your cards out. I've talked about this technique in other episodes and just look at all the images and think, okay, what card, you know, sticks out about, you know, money when I was younger, pull that card, set it aside and then create like a narrative with the cards. And again, the cards don't have to actually like mean anything related to money, but it's what the images bring up for you. So there's a lot that you can do here to really like analyze and pull back some layers about, you know, why you think or feel the way you do about uh, finances. Absolutely. There's so many cards that I think could represent exactly how somebody's feeling. I mean, let's just like look at nine of swords, this Im image of somebody sitting up in bed, hand hands on their face. Obviously they're just distressed with nine swords hovering above them because they've woken from a dream. Ugh, and yeah. like, I mean, I, I think that most people can understand that experience of waking up at four o'clock in the morning, wide awake with right. that, like, Oh my God feeling. And a often that's about money. That's like yeah. <laughs> very much a money card. I mean, it could be something else. It could be health, whatever. But like, that's a very iconic card to me. Or I mean, it could be like, maybe it's the emperor, you know, because mm. the, the emperor like often represents the strong father energy or sort of, um, yeah, strong father energy. And that energy mm -hmm. often, if you had sort of a, a father who was controlling around money or used it in a domineering way, like maybe a lot of your thinking about money has to do with that card. So like now you're dealing with your dad issue, 
your father complex <laughs> along and how that actually relates into your thinking about money. But I love what you were saying. Go through, find the cards that that relate to your emotional experience with this and then use the cards to help guide you as a way out of it. Um, I Okay, so I love that you talked about the Nine of Swords and the Emperor. A couple of things I want to say about that. So Nine of Swords, I'm sure everyone has been there, but yeah. <laughs> or maybe, this, maybe this says a lot about me where, you know, maybe I've just fallen asleep or, you know, and I just suddenly wake up and it's like, oh my God, did I pay that bill? Yeah. Or, yeah. oh my God, is this, pill, is this bill going to come out and is there enough money in my account to cover it? And it's like, oh my God. And then you look over, grab your phone off the charger and, you know, it's 1am, but you're looking at your bank account or going to pay the sure. bill. Sure. Um, so yeah, I love that you associated that, that card with that anxiety because it, it's so true. Um, and then the emperor, um, which, you know, ham sandwiches and daddy issues. This is a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to thinking about yeah like you know the father figure in your life makes me think of like gendered roles right totally. so there's you know we're finally as a society getting to this point where like gender and and money hopefully like won't have to like be these you know separate things. Um, but if you grew up in a household where, you know, in a, in a very like hetero cisnormative household where the dad was, you know, the one who was working and making the money and the mom had to like ask for permission to buy things or mm -hmm. wasn't really encouraged to work or even allowed to work. Um, and you're, you, you, that's the image and the story that you're taking into your own life. That's going to make a huge difference in not only the way that you view your own relationship with money, but like your actual romantic relationships are going to be affected by that. Oh my which, God. Yes. I mean, there, and there's so many things to talk about that. It's probably a whole other episode. This so, is 12 but, other episodes, what you just said. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, super important to use these cards. For example, the ones we're talking about just now and say, okay, like how is this impacting me? And in what ways is it healthy and in what ways is it not which is exactly what you the what you've been reflecting on for the past couple of weeks we used that same line last week yeah well because that's the whole thing right mm -hmm. right yeah I mean like what you just said is so true like I was like remain silent Luna hold your silence <laughs> because I could go off I mean like and if I went off on everything you just said it like truly this would be like a four-hour episode like we can't do it but let's, I know I believe we're it. <laughs> going to like loop back to some of the things that you just talked about because they're really important and I will say that like one thing that I often say to my couples or people who are talking about their relationship is people fight about doing the dishes sex and money and For sure. they and all of those things actually if you look at them often relate like they're kind of oh, all yeah. connected <laughs> And yeah, it's super interesting, but I'm going to leave it. I might also throw down just as we're talking about like cards that can represent money for people. Can we talk about the tower and the wheel of fortune? And oh my God. Yeah. How have we not already? Right. I mean, those are like <laughs> the cards that like are like wheel of fortune, like, oh, like money will just come to me, which like sometimes, sometimes like nice things happen. Sometimes money comes to you and that's like mm -hmm. nice, but that's not a solution. And the tower right. I think is a huge, like it links to, um, what were we saying earlier? The four of pentacles of kind mm -hmm. of this like dread of like, what happens if I lose everything? These are the cards that keep people up at night. 
I do want to touch on the Wheel of Fortune because I know people get so excited like when they pull Wheel of Fortune and they're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to be like abundance is going to rain on me. And it's like, but if you take a moment to really observe the Wheel of Fortune, what it means in the the image that's depicted on the card, it's a circle. Yes. And it's, it's about... It's a, about cycles and it's about thing. It's about like what you put in, you get out. Um, and I think it's important to remember that when you pull that card or if that's the card you're hoping to get, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode where it doesn't mean you don't have to work. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> right. wheel of fortune is very like, okay, like, you know, you threw some, some things in, you know, the universe is going to, you know, work its magic. Um, so keep throwing in, you know, this hard work and, and, you know, these ideas and these things that you want and, you know, eventually you'll see it come back. Yeah. You know, it's also like a very like karmic card too. Totally. Yeah. Everything has a season. Point one. Sometimes shit happens, good and bad. Point two. But yes, fortune favors the bold and we make our own luck. Yes. We make our own luck. Yes. Can I just tell you, cause it's just funny last week. Yeah. Last week I pulled wheel of fortune two days in a row as my personal card. One day I pulled it upright. The second day I pulled it in reverse. I was like, <laughs> ain't that funny, you know? And, and also like everything's fine. You know, like, I think it was just like a little reminder of like, everything has a season, just keep going. So for me, if I were interpreting that, if, if I may, yes, please. Sure. <laughs> so you pull wheel of fortune upright and you're excited and you're like, yeah, I'm like working my ass off. It's going to come back full circle. Like I'm going to, you know, essentially like be rewarded, blah, blah, blah. You pull it reverse the next day. That kind of tells me like, Ooh, what are you resisting? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. what is it that maybe, you know, how are you holding yourself back from actually like getting what you want out of the wheel of fortune? So that's how I would interpret that. I think it's really cool. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a cute little story about the wheel of fortune too, actually with a client. So I have a client who's also very into tarot. Um, and towards the end of their session, they had asked like, Hey, can we, can we pull a card to, to talk about it, to kind of wrap up the session? I'm like, oh. yeah, sure. I love that. Um, and we, <laughs> we had been talking about them really trying to get back into the, the workforce. You know, they had lost their job because of COVID and, and they were putting a lot of effort into trying to find a job again. Um, but it was really, it was getting to be really difficult for them. They were just having a really, really hard time. And suddenly, you know, they had gotten some really good news and, you know, it was probably like maybe a month or two after they were really like going at it, trying to make sure it happened. And so our session was really kind of processing all this good news. And so at the end of the session, when they asked to pull the card, I pulled wheel of fortune and I was just oh. like, this is so great. How just like affirming and validating. And I just couldn't have pulled a better card for them. And I just, I love, love, love when that happens. And they were just delighted. They were so excited. And it was really cool. Cause it was like, ah, Yes. Wheel of Fortune. This is just saying all of your hard work has paid off and you're about to get back into the swing of things again and things will start to feel normal and you're going to be more stable and good job. Oh, I love it. You know, I love that. And I'm like keeping my fingers crossed for your client, like that everything like continues to go in an upward trend. That's great. And in my head, I'm sort of like trying to plot out some sort of spread involving wheel of fortune and 10 of wands, because I think oh. that that's where we're going, you know, like it, it, you put out like what you give, you get. And, yeah. and also like the wheel always turns. Right. You know, it's funny because 
I, oh, and it's funny because we're talking about finances. So one, uh, it was like my second office. I had my private practice. So when I very first started in private practice, I was just like kind of subletting a room like hourly. And eventually I got to this point where Mm -hmm. I could have my own little office and a building with like other professionals. And I was mixed in with like a lawyer, realtor, and like a financial advisor, uh, guy. And, um, you know, we all had our separate offices, but it was in the same building. And, you know, you come, you become close with the people that you share a space with. And I was, you know, I became close with the guy who was across the the hall from me and he was a finance guy. And, you know, we would just talk about our life or whatever. And, um, you know, I was going through some things at the time and he just looked at me one day and he was like, you know what, it's just your turn in the barrel, you know, and it spins and it spins (laughs) and eventually, you know, it dumps you out and, you know, it'll be someone else's turn, but you know, you'll, you'll be out and then you can go about your life. And it's like you saying, you know, it, you know, continues to turn reminds me. It's like, yeah, you know, no matter what life moves, the, the wheel continues to move. Sometimes it's your turn in the barrel and it fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's not going to be like that forever. So shitty times come and go just like the good times come and go. So true. And you know, like that is just the way it is. So don't take it personal and don't think you're screwing up. Um, okay. So in regards to like relationship, our relationship with money based on like our parents' relationship review or just like the generational experiences or, and uh, I've been doing a lot of research on, um, like ancestral trauma, for example. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's fascinating talking about like the familial and ancestral influence behind like money anxiety. Um, so from like, you know, if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, like our brains are basically pre-wired to look at, or look for short-term danger, right? Um, we were, yes. our brains are a function to keep us alive, like, you know, one minute, one day, one night at a time. But when it comes to money and finances, we're, we're asking our brains to do a hell of a lot of predicting, like, and predicting the future, which the definition of anxiety is just that it's living in the future or trying to predict the future. Um, so something that I've just really become interested in is, you know, epigenetics and ancestral trauma, and I, which I feel like is super relevant here, because if you think about, you know, the generational experience and our ancestor ancestral experience with money, there really wasn't any point to trying to save like way back in the day. Like Mm. there wasn't any point to save. There wasn't really any sort of like reason to invest money or create a retirement account. Like they were just trying to be able to buy milk and bread (laughs) to feed their family. Um, So taking a look at our families of origin and understanding like why we are the way we are and how that's led to like our personal relationship with money is super important. And there were a couple of studies that I came across recently, which is really cool. So there was one study that showed neurosignals associated with like relaxation and recognition um, were increased by 21 and 29% for those who were given like assistance in talking about money. Um, wow. versus, so this is people who were given help, like, you know, either from family or from friends mm-hmm. or, you know, financial advisors, you know, in the form of like advice, articles, courses, consulting, whatever. So relaxation and recognition like increased. Um, and then attention even increased by like 20%, mm-hmm. um, which is so cool when we think about like the brain and how both, I mean, this is nature versus nurture, right? So the brain is 
impacted by our, you know, the epigenetics in our family and ancestral relationship with money that affects it. But then, you know, we can have outside help come, come swoop in and give us guidance. And then our brain is affected by that. So essentially what this is saying is you are not stuck in the mindset or your relationship with money that you have right now. Mm -hmm. You are totally 100% able to shift and move on and change. Um, and these statistics are pretty high, like 21, 20 and 29% are like decent statistics in terms Mm -hmm. of like increasing focus, attention, um, you know, relaxation when we're talking about money, like what, (laughs) um, that's huge. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, like I said, our brains are totally able to change. We just need to be able to learn how to ask for help and how to, um, accept help. I I just love everything you just said. It is what we keep saying. It's the yes. And we have Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that somebody who is, for example, raised in poverty, like, like that is a special kind of stress that is very real, very, really there and affects the person probably for the rest of their life. And you can do something about it. And I think that is what we really are trying to say that this is important. This is all real. And like, and what can you do about it? That's why we were sort of having a thing with the money scripts as like, okay, fine. You're money avoidant. Okay. But what are you going to do about it? So, yeah. Okay. So if I were guiding somebody in using tarot for doing their own personal money work, I might bring up the following cards. I mean, obviously I think queen of pentacles and king of pentacles, but I feel like I don't even want to go into it because it's like kind of obvious, (laughs) like those would be great. Like do a meditation. and reflect on like some of those figures. But I also think uh, temperance or two of cups or excuse me, two two of pentacles could be really helpful just in terms of like thinking about the idea of balance of like, yeah, you know what? I didn't pay off my entire credit card bill, but I paid off a chunk of it. And I also was able to set a little bit of money aside to go and like buy myself a coffee or take myself out to dinner, allowing sort of a balance and it's not good or bad. It's just finding your place. So I would use those two cards. I'd also look at the eight of pentacles. Obviously these are like a lot of pentacles because that's what the suit is about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not about money. It's about worldly earthly like things and what is more earthly than money in some ways. So the eight of pentacles is a great way of sort of thinking about how do you better yourself and how do you create mastery in yourself so that you can be more financially rewarded. I think that's a really positive card to look at or the, um, the six of pentacles. Ah, yes. That's a challenging one because that goes into giving and receiving. So I like that you brought up the six of pentacles because that goes back to something we were talking about originally with the scripts though, because it can be all about like giving, receiving, sharing, being, you know, wealth essentially, um, you know, and being generous, but also like seeking clarity, Mm -hmm. um, And I think it also represents, you know, cycles, the cycle of life. And there's also a cycle with money. Um, And that's important to remember too, because I think a lot of us get so anxious and think like, okay, I just have to like have a certain amount and then I'm set. But the truth is (laughs) it's a cycle, (laughs) you know, sometimes, you know, especially and it's this year that might be enough money for you next year. It might not, or maybe next year will be too much money for you. Who knows? So it's important to just like, go back and just reflect and say, okay, like, how can I make sure that I feel stable and safe, but I'm not being obsessive over my finances? Because, you know, 
being obsessive over it isn't healthy either. No. And, you know, rule of karma says that the thing that we most want is the what we have to give out in the world. So if you're really feeling like tight on money, try being generous in in a way that's uh, like realistic, but try being generous right. and see what happens. I love that. Yeah. That actually was a tool that I used in my personal life and it was strangely helpful. Because <laughs> it like makes us feel really good. Yeah, you do feel good. I do want to, we are, we have gone long, but I really would love to like just offer some resources because I'm, I'm sure that there is somebody listening to this who is having some mental anxiety and doesn't know where to look. So I really just want to be a person who can provide resources. So if you're done listening to us, uh, wax poetic, that's fine. But if you'd like to listen <laughs> for another minute, I'd love to give some names. Go for it. Sounds good. Okay. So um, I always begin by naming like the guru on this, who is Dave Ramsey. I think Dave Ramsey is a saint among men and should be um, like honored in our society because he has done amazing work in helping millions of people get their financial situation out of control or into control, I should say. I will say that Dave Ramsey has a personal quality that does not match everybody's liking. Um, he can be a little direct, like he'll sort of like get somebody on the call and they'll be like, I bought a new car. And he'll say, that was really stupid of you. You know that, right? That was really <laughs> dumb. And some people find that a very off-putting. So I understand that. Um, however, Dave Ramsey's plan for um, debt called the debt snowball is really a good plan. Um, so please look at Dave Ramsey's resources and the debt snowball or the debt avalanche. There, it's a very good place to start. If that doesn't tickle your fancy, there's a woman named Barry Tesler, and we will have information about this um, in our show notes. Um, Barry Tesler calls herself a financial therapy sh therapist. She works out of Boulder. Um, she's good at sort of like woo woo stuff. She's got a very gentle way about her. And she talks a lot about the emotions behind money. She has a course called the art of money. That is a year long program. She has a book. She has a podcast. I personally did the year of Mon the art of money year course. I found it very helpful. And I think that she's a great resource. If you kind of want somebody a little bit more gentle, the final resource that I think is really helpful Oh, actually, I'm going to name two. There's a budgeting tool called You Need a Budget that is a program that you can download and it's an app that helps you budget your money. It's very helpful. It takes time to get used to, but it's very good. The free version of that is Mint, but I think You Need a Budget works a little bit better. So check that one out. And the final one is there's an organization called The Financial Gym. They have actual physical locations around the country, but they also work virtually. It's a really interesting system where they have money coaches. So you are paired one-on-one -on -one with somebody who works with you directly to help you figure out what your money plan should be. And I really like that because it's customized based on the person's needs, and it does give you somebody who you can talk to. You generally have a conversation quarterly, but you can talk to them also through email. You can make appointments if you have questions. So those are good places to start. Such wonderful resources. Thank you so much. I am happy to share because like, please know I have spent a lot of time on this because I've done my own money work because this is hard. And I think that people need to have resources that they can actually use. So I'm happy to share. Yeah. And if any listeners have specific questions related to like money or money anxiety or your relationship with money that you want us to talk about on the podcast in relation to, to tarot and mental health, please let us know. Um, we will definitely be doing more episodes on this because there is just so much to talk about. And we just love talking about this stuff. <laughs> we do. It's so good. This was amazing. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to The Tarot Diagnosis. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok under the handle at the tarot diagnosis and join us while we pull daily cards and explore tarot and mental health in between podcast episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. If you have a topic or question that you'd like for us to explore on the podcast, you can contact us directly on our website, www.thetarotdiagnosis.com.